Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who would fully endorse a Legally Blonde spinoff, where it's just Jennifer Coolidge as Paulette going on zany adventures with her dog, Rufus. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2001's Legally Blonde. If I'm going to be a senator, I need someone serious. I'm seriously in love with you. I love you. This is the type of girl that Warner wants to marry. A law student. Going to Harvard is the only way I'm gonna get the love of my life back. For my admissions essay. Action. I'm gonna tell all of you why I'm gonna make an amazing lawyer. I feel comfortable using So today is a very special episode for multiple reasons. First of all, because it is our season two finale, but even more importantly, because the long-awaited episode featuring our mom is this episode. So she's not on mic right now, but she is in the room on the other side of the room listening to every single thing we say. So (laughs) keep that in mind as you were listening, but she listens to every episode, so she knows the truth of it all. Yeah. And we're both wearing um, Aileen Bratt's earrings again. She sent us some Britney Spears ones yes. and some sleepover ones, as in the 2004 classic sleepover. Yes. And I got these from my front stoop literally moments before entering yeah. the house today. So timing worked out perfectly. Yeah. So shout out to her as always. You can find her on Instagram at shop alien brats and on all the selling, the selling apps. <laughs> the selling platforms? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway... This is a big movie. This is one of the ones that for a while we were like, I don't know if we'll ever do this one. But as we will discuss, our mom very intentionally showed us this movie at one point. So, Or rather, unintentionally. Unintentionally, (laughs) but we both remember watching it for the first time with her. So we thought that it would be a good movie to talk about with her. And there's so much to say that this is, in fact, a two-part episode. So um, you're going to have to listen to both if you want the entire Sleepover Cinema Legally Blonde experience. And I mean, duh, you want that, right? How could you not want that whole thing? So uh, (laughs) yeah, you get two episodes. So we're just going to go right into the facts that I collected this time. So now I'm the Legally Blonde expert. Yes, she is. Um, Okay, so Legally Blonde was released on July 13th, 2001. It was directed by Robert Luketic, who (laughs) hasn't directed a ton, but he directed The Ugly Truth, Killers, and Paranoia, and Legally Blonde. That's what he's most known for. Do you know those? The Ugly Truth and Killers are (laughs) those classic couple 2010s movies with the white backgrounds where they're just like they're like leaning up against each other on the poster yeah yeah so clearly he got into that uh genre i could make a whole letterboxd list that is only i'm sure somebody's already done that but of movies that just have those kinds of covers yes they're they're very funny think of hitch with will smith too there's a ton of them yeah um, and it was produced by Mark Platt and four other seemingly random men. Um, and I, I say they're random because I looked at what they have produced and it was all like war movies and like G.I. Joe type stuff. And I was like, 
confused. That is but weird. Mark Platt seems like the main producer, and he has produced La La Land, Bridge of Spies, Girl on the Train, and Trial of the Chicago 7. So a lot of big movies um, with recent success. And do you want to talk about... Yeah, Karen, yeah. our good friend Karen. Okay, so the screenplay for Legally Blonde was written by Karen McCullough, and you have heard us invoke her name many times, but was it just Karen or was it Karen and Kristen? It's Karen and Kirsten. Oh, Kirsten, I'm seeing it. Okay. And then Amanda wrote the book that yeah. it's based on. Okay, so we have Karen and Kirsten. <laughs> uh, they are the writing duo that wrote Ella Enchanted, The House Bunny, 10 Things I Hate About You, the movie and the show, The Ugly Truth, She's the Man. Uh, th- they have the job we want, basically. Yeah. Um, their, their power as a duo is pretty much unmatched, especially in our genre. So shout out to Kirsten and Karen, as always. And then the novel was written by Amanda Brown, who has written... Almost nothing except for Legally Blonde 1 and 2. And she wrote the book of Legally Blonde, the musical. Uh, is that what you meant no, by no. that? Legally Blonde, the movie, is based on a book. Oh. And she is the yeah. author of that book. Yes. You said the musical. I know, but you said the... You, it, I felt like it was implied that you meant the book. Oh. Like the novels. And then when you said the book, I thought you meant the book of the musical. No. Which I do not want to talk about the musical on this no, episode. No, we're not talking about the musical. And also... Um, Important to mention that Karen and Kirsten are set to write the screenplay for a Spice Girls movie that is upcoming and Legally Blonde 3 that is upcoming. Good for them. And I, th- it is with Reese. As they should. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I don't know that it'll be very good, but <laughs> I am intrigued. Yes. Plot synopsis. The plot synopsis is as follows. Elle Woods has it all. She wants nothing more than to be Mrs. Warner Huntington III, but there is one thing stopping him from proposing. She is too blonde. Elle rallies all of her resources and gets into Harvard, determined to win him back. That's an interestingly written plot synopsis. Yeah, it was like, I checked multiple sources and they all had the same one. And I was like, what? Yeah, it was strange. Um, okay, so there's our plot synopsis, but you have to do taglines. That's your thing. Yeah. I mean, it's wrong if you're not the one doing the taglines. I found four taglines, and here they are. One is boldly going where no blonde has gone. I feel like it should say before, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they going. wanted to rhyme with blonde, probably. Yeah. Blondes do have more fun. Don't judge a book by its hair color, and <laughs> believing in yourself never goes out of style. Wow. Those are Pretty a little... Good. They're okay. They're cheesy, but the movie's cheesy, so it works. Yeah. And, okay, this section here, I just... We usually never give shout-outs to, like, below-the-line crew people. We really should, though. But we really should. And yeah. and this these uh, five here, I really wanted to give please, a shout-out to. Please do. So this movie would be nothing without its casting. Yes. It's got some of the most perfect casting I've ever seen. Yes, I agree. And... That is all due to Joseph Middleton. Shout out to him. Um, Shout out to the music supervisor, Anita Camerata, because this soundtrack, I'm not even talking about the score. I'm talking about the soundtrack, the pre-existing songs, um, like Perfect Day and like just every... Perfect Day is used with like musical theater-like intensity, honestly. And it's amazing. Yeah. Shout out to Wardrobe, Sophie Day Rakoff. Um, what I, I learned about her is that she initially bonded with Reese Witherspoon over Dolly Parton and that's how they like started their yeah. 
You know that Reese is like a Tennessee gal too, so makes sense. Yeah. Um, Shout out to hair and makeup. Jenny King Turco, um, who did the makeup, and Linda Arnold, who did the hair because... The hair is so important in this movie and it looks so good. Yeah. It's like these perfect loose curl type situations. Um, I texted Audrey that the hairdos are white excellence in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> they are. It's true. And it's if, true. if you look up a picture of Linda Arnold, it makes complete sense. She's got this like, <laughs> like big hair. Really, yeah, nice. really nice blown out hair. <laughs> and then finally, I think the editing is really good in this movie. And that is Anita Brandt Burgoyne, who yes. also edited Good Burger, the movie. Good to know. She hasn't done a ton, but. Wow. Yeah. She does do a good job, though. Yep. Okay. So the cast of this movie, as Audrey already said, the casting is everything. Um, and it is what makes this movie so memorable. And like, it, it lessens the cheapness that this movie could be like riddled with if it mm-hmm. wasn't for such a good cast. Do you want to read this part about Reese Witherspoon though? Yes. So, I mean, we all know Reese Witherspoon, but she's known for Wild, Walk the Line, Big Little Lies. Little Fires Everywhere, Election, which was pretty much the only movie she had done um, where she was in a major role before this one. And Cruel Intentions. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. and Cruel Intentions. I literally could not get through that movie. I tried to watch it with Una downstairs, and we got 20 minutes in, and we were like, this is so uncomfortable, I can't do it. Yeah, it's something. (laughs) I watched it recently. We didn't know what we were in for when we started, so that's Mm -hmm. on us, but... Um, she is good in it, though, and yeah. she's great in election. Um, and then I have this quote here about who auditioned for the role of Elle Woods. Uh, Charlize Theron, Gwyneth Paltrow, Alicia Silverstone, Catherine Heigl, Christina Applegate, Mila Jovovich, mm-hmm. and Jennifer Love Hewitt were all considered for the lead role. But the director said he knew on page five of the script that he wanted Reese to play Elle. And then this quote is so shady. I, I read this and I was like, uh, okay. He said, I wanted someone with gravitas and brains. There had to be more behind the face and Reese just fits the bill. Despite Luketic's enthusiasm for Witherspoon to be cast as the lead, MGM wasn't convinced. I thought that was interesting. Um, it makes sense though when you... Uh, bring into consideration the little tidbit that you have later on in in here about what the movie's original pitch was versus what it turned out to be. So maybe put a pin in that quote about what the director thought versus what MGM thought, and we will Mm -hmm. return to that. As for the rest of the cast, I was like, this is so star-studded. I don't even, we can't even, we don't have the the time to go into their best, most known films, but do you want to just list them? Yeah, yeah. So as Emmett, uh, Elle's only kind of needed love interest. We have Luke Wilson. We have Jennifer Coolidge as Paulette, who I have now realized is just like I am represented by her is what I feel like. Uh, Selma Blair is Vivian. Matthew Davis is Warner. Holland Taylor is Professor Stromwell. Victor Garber, our favorite man (laughs) of the screen, maybe beside from Jack Black, is Professor Callahan. (laughs) Uh, Allie Larder is Brooke Wyndham. Jessica Caulfield is Margot. Elena Ubach is Serena, Linda Carlini, also an icon, is Chutney, and Raquel Welch plays Mrs. Wyndham Vandemark. So, uh, really... Icons on icons on icons. (laughs) You could not ask for more with that cast, except maybe diversity, but other than that, uh, you really can't get better for any of those parts. Mm -hmm. Now the numbers. Audrey. Yeah, so... 
The budget for Legally Blonde was $18 million. The box office opening weekend was $20 million. And this movie ended up being a sleeper hit for MGM. Like, it did okay at first. And then as time went on, I think it was kind of like a word of mouth thing. Um, and so the overall worldwide gross is $141.7 million. So clearly... Dollars. They <laughs> made up for it with time. Yes, they did. And it has been... We are not going to go into the musical or anything, but it has no. been adapted and just... It was also a reality show before it was a musical because there was the hunt for Elle Woods on MTV. And that was a whole thing. It's been stretched in every direction. I personally think that like any sense of like deeper appreciation of these movies gets obliterated when it gets turned into a musical. Perhaps with the exception of Heather's because it was off-Broadway and it wasn't, like, the most high-budget thing in the world. Mm -hmm. But, like... When it gets so um, generic. Yeah, it gets, like, watered down so much that it can be, like, a Broadway property. Like, that's when you know. Yeah. I I don't like it when this happens. Yeah. Anyway... (laughs) <laughs> do you want to do those? Yeah, yeah. Reviews? Okay. So the critic opinions. Um, again, this movie came out in 2001, so keep that in mind when you're thinking about all this. But the critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes with a 70% critic score in general, which is like pretty good for a movie like this, the critic consensus was, though the material is predictable and formulaic, Reese Witherspoon's funny, nuanced performance makes this movie better than it would have been otherwise, which reminds me a lot of what they said for 13 going on 30. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. And then we have a couple reviews here. The first one says, The movie is a lot like 1995's Clueless, which was also totally cute in that it has a brain and a heart. And like its heroine, it's a lot smarter than it looks. (laughs) Interesting. I'm wondering the uh, gender of that reviewer. Uh, But we don't know. So that's fine. I think they're all men. Okay. As they tend to be. Yeah. The next one, funny, enjoyable, and above all, relaxing. You won't need much brain power, but you'll certainly have fun. That's <laughs> oh, not wrong. Yeah, these first two are positive, and then the third one is like the only, pretty much the only negative opinion that critics had. Okay. So then this last one is, Legally Blonde is a career misstep for a talented actress capable of creating much more complex characters. That's my opinion Please listed under there. Please tell me your opinion. Well... That also came from a man. I'm like, did you not just miss the entire point of the movie? Like, what? like what? The, them saying that she's too talented of an actress to play this character. It's like, you literally missed the whole point Wait, of the movie. Wait, I don't get it. Like, What's so offensive about that? Because they're like, they're literally saying that like this character is too dumb for Reese Witherspoon to oh, play. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, she went to law school. What's wrong with you? Yeah, that's really true. Like, what do you... There's some sort... There's, like, a whole, like, stew of tropes that they're playing on in this movie that have become irrelevant so quickly to people Mm -hmm. that are now in 2021 that it's, like, kind of even hard to understand what exactly they're commenting on. Um, But that's why I think having mom join us will be helpful because I think that she has a little bit more perspective on, like, the blonde bimbo of... 2000 Mm -hmm. as like a cultural thing more than we do. So we will come back to that. Now for the audience opinions. There was a 72% audience score. The reviews were generally all very positive, but here- Like very positive. Like it was hard for me to find negative ones. But she did find a negative one from Danielle R. I like fluffy movies, but this is too much. All fluff, no substance. I don't understand why critics or viewers are so into this. 
It's sexist, shallow, and plays on stereotypes all over the place. (laughs) And it's honestly not even remotely funny. It's formulaic and bland. I just don't get the draw. It's like the whole world decided at once to give this movie a pardon. (laughs) Also, the bend and snap is straight up ridiculous. Seriously. If you want a movie about a shallow, lovable blonde, watch Clueless. (laughs) Which, like... Oh, like, wait, so you like... How can you like... Literally, it's like apples and apples. How can you like like Clueless and not, like... Legally Blonde. It's the same. I I think they have different, they have a different quality to them. Yeah. But, you know, if you're in for Clueless, I, I'm not sure what. I, maybe it has something to do with the, the age difference. And also the fact that this movie was probably marketed in a way where they were like, she's hot. And that's the point. Yeah. Whereas Clueless wasn't as much and like Clueless that. Clueless was a lot more indie. Yeah. Than Legally Blonde was. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to explain a little bit about the development of Legally Blonde. And, and coming back to the point we were talking about earlier with the director wanting Reese to play the role. Yeah. So this is a quote about that. So Luketic explained that when the studio first greenlit the project, they weren't aware that the film would be structured as a progressively feel-good women's empowerment movie. Initially, they thought it was going to be much more wet t-shirts and boobs than it actually turned out to be. Yeah. Which... There are small traces of that yes, in, in yeah. the movie. It has, like, certain, like, aesthetic moments that remind me of Bring It On in that sense, where it feels like the camera is being really creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the camera being creepy and Legally Blonde is, like, intentional. Like, it's a comment on the gays more than actually being the gays. Yeah. Um, not the gays. Yeah, I was like, not the, the G- gays. The gays would never... The G-A-Y-S or the G-A-Z? <laughs> But yeah, like this quote earlier about the director saying that there needed to be something beyond the face to like pull it off. I think that this is kind of what they were referring to. Mixed messages going on with all that. It's like you need to be beautiful, but you need to have more behind the face, but you need to being pretty is not enough. Yeah, it's like wait, so what do you want? Do you want the what? t-shirt movie or do you want what do you want yeah well this movie is also perfectly straddling the second wave and third wave feminism Mm -hmm. movements in a lot of ways which we'll probably come back to later yeah and then I have this I have this uh quote from Reese which I thought was interesting about not judging her character so do you want to read that yeah so this is Reese I wish I could do an an impression of her but I'm not going to make you all sit through that A lot of your first instinct is to discount women who put a lot of effort into their looks as maybe not serious about their job or maybe not serious about their relationships. I think everyone naturally jumps to those conclusions. I was interested in exploring the difference between the way someone looks and how people perceive them and how they really are. I'm not necessarily perky and bubbly all the time. So it's been a lot of effort to stay up and the amount of care and energy she puts into a lot of things has really been a challenge for me. And trying to convey that lightness all the time is hard work. And this quote is from the time it was released. So she, um, the way that she's navigating this to the press is like really like specific, like it feels awkward. It's like, what does that mean? It feels, it feels like she doesn't entirely know what to say about it. Like she's just playing a character. Yeah. Like and there, doing her job. And there was this whole thing about like her going to meet a bunch of sorority girls for research and stuff. Really? Yeah. And and ultimately deciding that like there's more to them essentially. Oh my God. And I was like, that's interesting. She must have not well, clearly she didn't go to college or anything in yeah. at, you know, in in the traditional way. Right. But yeah. 
That is really weird. Okay. Well, as for the gossip section, I just wrote movies. There's just other movies that came out in this time. So I would say that any movie that came out in 2001 uh, more is likely to have made a very big impact on us because Audrey would have been like four when it came out and I would have been six. So movies that came out in 2001 that are relevant to us. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Shallow Hal, you already know why it's on this list because Jack Black is in it. Donnie Darko, the edgy movie that everyone wanted to watch in high school and middle school. Spirited Away, a classic. Shrek, enough said. <laughs> Luck of the Irish. Weirdly, I've never seen Luck of the Irish, but I know it made a big impact. And Bridget Jones' Diary, which I also have never seen. I haven't either, which is crazy. We'll probably do that movie at some point. Um, Luck of the Irish also, by the way, fun fact, it is set um, well, okay, it's not set in Ohio, but they're from Ohio, which uh-huh. is funny. And the whole thing of that movie is like hiding their heritage um, because it's like a heritage day at school. And the the kid is like, what is our heritage? What is our heritage? And the parents won't tell him. It's because they're secretly leprechauns. What? So all he says is we're from Cleveland. Really? Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, it's They're super funny. Really, leprechauns? Yeah. That's the plot? Uh-huh. That's kind of clever. Yeah. That's pretty good for a Disney Channel movie. It's that's, pretty good that's movie. That's weird. I've never seen it. Yeah. We'll have to watch it at some point. Okay, so we're about to take our movie viewing break. Well, really, you're about to take your movie viewing break because we watched it already. But we just want to talk about sort of like last time we watched this movie – initial impressions or associations with this movie. Uh, Audrey, would you like to go first? So I know that we watched it with our mom in the basement (laughs) together. And I genuinely was too young for like 95% of the jokes. (laughs) Like seriously. Yeah. And I didn't even know, I was so young that I didn't even know like what would be considered a bad word or like anything. That was the classic Audrey thing. She would always say bad words and not know they were bad words (laughs) until she said them. And it was so good. Yeah. So keep in mind, we were like fourth grade, second grade or like fifth grade, third grade. Yeah. When we watched this. Should I say it now or should I wait? The story. You could say it. Yeah, so, you know, um, it's when Elle is sitting at the nail counter with Paulette, and Paulette's like, well, if if a girl like you can't keep her man, can't then there's down a man, then like something. there's no hope for the rest of us. And then and then she's like, steal the bastard back. That's what she says to Elle. And my like baby brain like decided to memorize that line for whatever reason. And then one time I said it to Hannah and my mom, like in life. <laughs> And I was so young. And everyone was like, what? (laughs) We were in Florida. We were on vacation. I remember exactly where we were. This is also how Audrey found out that the F word was a bad word. Yeah. She said it one time. Because it was written on the sidewalk. It was written on a garage door. We had driven by a garage door that said fuck Bush on it. And Audrey asked out loud, what does fuck Bush mean? (laughs) That's how you know it was like 2002 or something. But yeah, so (laughs) this is a good example of a movie that would lead Audrey to accidentally say embarrassing things Mm -hmm. in public. Yeah. It wasn't public. Not in public, but out loud. Out loud, not just in her head, I guess. (laughs) Um, For me, I remember that when I watched this movie, like, I was aware that it was a big movie. Like, it was very famous. Like, everyone knew what it was. You must have asked. No, I think that mom, like, 
asked if we wanted to watch it. We'll we'll get into that when she joins us momentarily. Um, But I remember in the whole opening where it's like you don't see her. You just see her like getting ready or like the campus of the college. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember being like so excited to see who Elle was. I was like, this is about to be that bitch. Like, I'm so excited to see her. (laughs) And I also remember thinking that the hands running over the hair looked way older than Reese's hands would have been. Like B-roll. I think it was like somebody else. Yeah. I always got that vibe for sure. Yeah. Um, also about watching this movie, I specifically remember sitting on the futon in the basement. Me too. Um, I remember that this movie was like one of the first instances of like lesbians yeah. that I remember. And when I, so I hadn't watched it in a really long time before yesterday. And in my mind, Enid Wexler is like really weird. Like, in, like I thought that she was like a freak and then she was just like an incredibly normal lesbian. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wait, like this movie definitely made me like kind of scared of lesbians, which was funny in retrospect. Um, and I, I also yeah, it was just like completely unidentified to us. I didn't know what a lesbian was. <laughs> you didn't know what a lesbian no. was? I knew what a lesbian was. No, not at all. But I didn't know any except for Aunt Sue. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> uh, and then I also did not know what a Percocet was. And they talk about a Percocet. Yeah. Can't you just take a Percocet? Yeah. I had no idea what <laughs> that no was. I no clue what that was. Okay. There's much more for us to say, um, but we really haven't even gotten into the true meat of this yet. So we are uh, going to take our little break now. We're going to get our our mom strapped into her audio setup over here. And um, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, everybody, we are back. Uh, We hope that you just went and watched Legally Blonde, but all three of us did. Uh, All three of us being myself, Audrey, and our mom, (laughs) Jennifer, who has uh, been listening to every episode of Sleepover. She's been silent. (laughs) Silent? We have been invoking her (laughs) name and her choices many times on this show, and we figured what better way to end season two than by having mom here. So, hello, daughters. (laughs) Um, Mom, do you want to just say, like, because you're not just our mom. You're also a human being (laughs) in the world. So do you want to just, like, share a little bit about yourself? Well, um, that's a broad (laughs) question. But basically, I first and foremost am your mom. But (laughs) before that, I had my career as a graphic designer 
I was a designer during um, um, your childhood yes. and um, sort of morphed into a career of teaching art for a very short while. And then <laughs> I decided I didn't want to do that and became full-time printmaker artist and maintain a studio practice and continue to be your mother. <laughs> <laughs> and all those things can be true at the same time. Cool. Good job. <laughs> so um, mom watched Legally Blonde, and that is because we watched that movie together back in like 2004 probably. Um, and we're going to do the normal thing we do. We're going to do our good, bad, problematic, notable. Uh, but we also have many questions for mom that yes. have come up over the course of Sleepover Cinema. So we are going to give her her. Uh, <laughs> what were we saying? We were saying like Jen takes, Jen the, takes stand. the stand. Right, exactly. And <laughs> I was going to come back to that because it's a movie about yeah. cross-examination. So it's perfect. But we're and not coming for mom. You know why else it's perfect? We, you know, Legally Blonde has a lot of manicure scenes, a lot of yeah. nail salon scenes. And we just got our nails done. Yes, because <laughs> mom is showing her <laughs> manicure to the video viewers. Uh, yeah, we are very rarely all in the same place. And Audrey's been home for a week ish yeah. so we had to make a moment of it uh so with all that established <laughs> do you have something to say no okay <laughs> with all of that established why don't we get into the things that we enjoyed about legally blonde uh compliments good takeaways obviously this movie is a classic for a reason so there are many nice things to say but were there any like big ones that stood out to us well one of the things that I really appreciated, um, even through the opening credits, first of all, the opening credits are great. Yes. It's got even like a Napoleon Dynamite thing going on or a Nacho Libre, like that style. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love when That's opening so credits are um, specific kind of uh, like portraits like almost. vignettes. Yeah, like vignettes. Yeah. It's like her her nail, her nails and, you know, painting her nails or like brushing her hair. I love those types yeah. of credits. But what I was appreciating is that a lot of the below the line crew, meaning not the main role, so not director, not producer, not writer, mm -hmm. um, are women. Yeah. And that this is back in, oh, like 2000-ish. So that's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. I, I'm glad they uh, got the use their brains a little bit <laughs> yeah. on that one. I also love those kinds of openings because it's a really efficient way to like set up who the character is without yeah. saying anything. It's like classic showing versus telling. Yeah. Lots of showing, which is nice. Yeah. So we, we will bring up Napoleon Dynamite and not show Libre <laughs> as much as humanly possible. <laughs> yes. So that was one good thing. Um, I thought that the screenplay was really funny. Like, there were three lines in particular. Actually, four that I, I wrote we down. I some of the same ones, um, maybe. When they're at dinner and Elle Woods goes, um, he's like, I want to talk about our future. And she's like, and I am fully amenable to that discussion. <laughs> it's like, she clearly is smart. Like, who else would yeah. say that? That's what's so funny. The whole time they're like, she's so stupid. But like, she never who comes. else would say fully amenable? She's the leader of her sorority. Everybody asks her all the questions. It's like, yeah. how is she? Like, what? she knows what she's doing. She said amenable. Yes. Come on. <laughs> um, I really loved it when she's in the salon and she's showing the random lady uh, Warner's brother's fiance. Oh, yeah. And she's like, I was like, I need to be like her. And the lady's like, what, practically deformed? Like, that I loved. <laughs> That's something I didn't get as a kid that I do get now. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. I love yeah. it when 
Paulette is describing the downfall of her life. And Elle's like, that's so sad. And she's like, yeah, it happens every day. (laughs) Happens every day. (laughs) That was great. And then (laughs) the line where Emmett describes going to law school as a lapse in judgment. I loved that too. Yeah. A lot of that humor, sarcasm just went right over my head. Yeah. I didn't really notice it either. As a kid? As a kid. One of my favorite lines is when Enid, what's her name? Enid? Enid Wexler. Lesbian icon. When Enid is like, and last summer, I, whatever, I forget the exact words, oh, but I wrote it down. Lesbians against she, drunk driving. She organized like the march of lesbians against <laughs> drunk driving. Yeah. And, and, and the, the leader's like, cool. He's like, right on. It's so funny. <laughs> I love that too. Did you have any specific good things that you liked? Oh, gosh. I liked the scene when they went to retrieve Jennifer Coolidge's dog. <laughs> That was a good scene. I enjoyed that scene. quite a bit. Yeah, how she, how Elle just took over and yeah, I liked that scene because I just enjoyed it. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, yeah. You want to see? You just want to see uh, Paulette get a win, you know? And yes. she does. Yeah, yeah, with Elle's help. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's her first time she wields her uh, her abilities for good beyond just her sorority or herself. Yeah, it's a good like benchmark for her character. Yeah. Um, using, she was basically just making up. Oh, she's not making it up, but she kind of is because she knows the guy is stupid. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. So what she's she like, says. we need to divide the assets or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, what? She just used the three year, three words she just learned <laughs> yeah, to, just to, yeah. to lay him flat, and and she learned the power of a few words. Yes, and yeah, and she had already sort of separated herself from. Had she from liking that guy yet, or was that still, that was maybe still happening? It was like on the way out, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I also learned what liposuction is because of this movie. Do you remember? I think you probably had to explain what liposuction was, because you know when the trainer is like, she can't reveal her alibi because she was getting liposuction. And she's she's a trainer, so it's like her reputation goes down the drain if she reveals that she got liposuction, and that's why she can't say her alibi. Yeah. We, we, we didn't know what liposuction get any of was. That. No, but it, this honestly was so long ago, and you guys were so young that <laughs> yeah. it's like, I can't remember the details of whether I, I described liposuction yeah. or not. You, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you, I was going to say, I'm sure you didn't. I feel like if we were like, mom, was liposuction? She wouldn't be like, I'm not telling you. Because no. it's not that scandalous. I like, would tell you for sure. Yeah. But if you would have even registered I, yeah, like, that. I would have been too young. Maybe you asked. I would have been too young to even know. I feel like ask. this is how I learned what it is. Yeah. I have a line thing Please that, do. that I didn't understand. Whenever she says, she says, I hired a Coppola to direct my admissions video. Yeah. I... My brain just heard that as something completely different. Yeah. I thought she said <laughs> cobblerect. Whoa. I thought she said, I hired a cobblerect to. It's like this. A cobblerect bl- my admissions this video. This blend of words. And I didn't know, obviously, I did not know who the Coppolas were or anything. Yeah. But this past time, I was like, I'm going to understand that line today. <laughs> I will know what she says. A Coppola. Duh. There you go. Now I get it. That's funny. Yeah. Sometimes my brain just made up words. Yeah. When you're a little kid, I mean, that's what we've discovered watching these movies so many times is like you don't actually know what you're hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're just a kid. I mean, you're just so young. I also really enjoyed in the courtroom scene when they expose Enrique for being gay. And it doesn't make any sense that it works. But when the boyfriend's like, 
you bitch like that made me laugh out loud like that was my favorite part kind of yeah i just thought that that was really funny the jury's out about no pun intended about whether the uh the gay representation the gay men representation is problematic if you think enrique is problematic let us know. let us know because we are not in the position to be able to really make a statement no. on that and we've got um the bend and snap works every time okay he's an icon though. yeah i love him he's great <laughs> You know who we're talking about? Like the really gay guy walks out and is like, the bend and snap works, works every time. time. Yeah, like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, I love that part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So should we, because we have so much to say, should we move on to the bad? You just run through yours. Okay. Let's run through them. Okay. I'm going to run through mine. If anyone feels compelled to comment upon any of them, please feel free. First thing. They seem like they're 30. It seems like everyone is 30 in this movie. It does not seem like Reese Witherspoon is a college senior. She has it together way too much. I kind of wish that she was like, like, I feel like if this movie was made now, she would be like an influencer. She wouldn't be like a sorority president. Like I just. Or she might be both. I mean, those people really exist. Well, for sure. But they all just seem like they're way older than 22. Yeah, but at least it's set senior in college and not high school or something, you know, just. That's true. That's true. It, I don't know. It could be way worse, especially compared to now, <laughs> what they do now. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. And then my second thing was uh, when Elle shows up, these are, I'm getting very micro, but when Elle shows up to Harvard and you hear the oh, background the, voice being like, where's the beach? Hey, where's the beach? It reminded me of Princess Diaries when the guy, you know, like there's all the bad like background actors talking. Yeah. Uh, bad. Or why just don't like, you pull up your royal carriage and get us out of here when they <laughs> crash on the trolley? It reminded me of that. There's too much. I Yeah. When the ADR is too upfront, it it's, can be awkward. It's yes, funny. I agree. Um, the exchange when Elle and Emmett meet for the first time and Elle's like, I'm really glad I met you. And his response is, hey. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes, hey. That's very Luke Wilson. I know. I was like, what? I bet that line wasn't written. I bet he just said it's that. kind of what happened. It was so awkward though. I thought that was really funny. Um, did you notice that in a lot of the cuts of the scenes where they're in that courtyard that it was raining? I have noticed that before. You yeah. can see it in like the blacks that they like tried to like mm -hmm. correct out the rain, but you can tell that it's raining lightly. And I just, I never noticed that until this time. Um, I forgot to mention, we had this movie in the minivan. Yeah. So we have seen this movie many, many, and many times. We had the okay. first and the second we did. We had the sequel also in the van. I which mean, I've probably seen it twice. Yeah. yeah. Once with you two and back yes. then and Last once, once yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, I really thought that it was lazy of the screenplay that in class constantly they were picking Viv and then Elle or Elle and then Vivian. Like it was very like, it just felt convenient. very convenient that yeah. they were always put against each other. Um... I it made me sad that the more serious Elle got, the flatter her hair got. Like her hair, like told a story too, and like and it was she, good storytelling. But yeah. in my heart, I was like, I wish her hair was still big and shiny and good. It never looked bad, but like she got more and more like tightly pulled back mm -hmm. until the end. Then it's all in the out. courtroom scene. Didn't she was pretty fabulous? It's in, big in, in the that. Court, 
But yeah, well, like that's that's because she's like that's I've decided to lean into my truth, and she like lets it out. But like especially some of the classroom scenes when she's like trying to buckle down. Yeah, she you're has saying, like a really. You're tight, saying it purely for aesthetic reasons. Yes, character yes. wise, it makes character sense. wise, it's great. It just made me sad because when her hair is out, it looks so good. <laughs> um, I hate that Victor Garber is creepy in this movie. Hate that they made Victor be creepy, LOL. <laughs> yeah, we both wrote that down. Because, because we love him. We Professor love- Callahan. He's in the, like, there's like a live action Annie from 1997. We love him in that. He's also Cinderella. in. Oh, he's the king in People Cinderella, too. Uh-huh. So he's like yeah. a very non-problematic, like, adult man. And in like, these. in real life. Yeah. He is a great person. Yes. Who... It's just always in great projects. It's yeah. like, you know, he has good taste because of that. Definitely. So we're sad that he's creepy in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I felt like the relationship with Emmett was really, really, really unnecessary. And I also hated that even with the rewritten ending, she still got proposed to, even if it was just the like little like line written at the bottom. I was like, we don't need to know that. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't think that that was it, that good. It's like a last ditch effort for like marketing reasons or like, you know, for yeah. like um certain sect of audience satisfaction reasons. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not like yeah. their the golden bow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not enough of a golden bow that she like succeeded at college. Now she's not it's college. It's the cherry on top of the golden yeah. bow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And speaking of that, I have, so every time I watch this movie, if you look, there's just something off about Reese Witherspoon's hair right after she wins the court scene. She's got a bizarre hairline. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was like, I have to figure out why this is. It's a wig. I was like, why is she wearing a wig for, for the, par- the parts after she wins the case? So I actually found the reason. Um, and it's because the film originally had a different ending. And I have a quote here about them reshooting and, and all that. So... The film originally ended at the courthouse right after Woods won the case with L on the courthouse. <laughs> Sorry, it's just funny that they're calling with her Woods. L on the courthouse steps, <laughs> sharing a victory kiss with Emmett, then cutting one year into the future to her and a now blonde Vivian oh, right. starting their own blonde legal defense club at law school. After test audiences revealed they didn't like this ending, McCullough, Lutz, and Smith consulted with Luketic, the director and other members of the production team while still in the lobby of the movie theater, and they all agreed a new conclusion was necessary. It was just kind of a weak ending, explained (laughs) screenwriter McCullough. Uh, The kiss didn't feel right because it's not a rom-com. It wasn't about their relationship. So test audiences were saying, we want to see what happens. We want to see her succeed. So that's why we rewrote for graduation. Well, I'm glad the test audience was smart because that ending sounds horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And this ending, the ending that is there now is a much better ending than this. I agree. I also think that Vivian being blonde and them starting a blonde it's the wrong thing. message. Well, yes, and it also feels like they're leaning a little bit too hard into blonde as like a legitimately discriminated against identity, yeah. you know? Like it's just like a bit much. Yeah, and and that's that's in my your notes here. Notes. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any other bad things? Not bad, but a question. Okay. So, I was thinking about the title of this movie. Oh, 
that was one of mine. Is, is that something that you were going to discuss? <laughs> yeah, but, let's talk about it because I want to hear what you have to say. Well, I was just wondering, why is it called Legally Blonde? What does that even mean? And the only thing I can think of is it's naturally blonde. Well, uh, play on I that, thought of legally, legally blind. blind. Okay. Well, this is the only like figure of speech that it actually like plays off of is legally blind. And I'm like, is it like an ableist joke? What? Like, I don't think that that is actually what they're going for, but it doesn't. How else would you think of that? I think that it is supposed to be a play on legally blind because they're like, she's blind because she's blonde. <laughs> so she's stupid. It's like or oh. naturally blonde. Because that that was a thing, yeah. Just you know, but like, yeah, that's true. You know, like thing, oh, I'm a natural blonde. That's true. That's a know? good point, actually. I, we don't know. It's I'm not, very curious. Yeah, just like naturally and legally, it's just they're both adverbs. That's the only yeah. thing that relates them. But being a natural blonde, because being blonde was more of a thing back then too. Mm-hmm. Like it was more in style to be like blonde, blonde. Yeah. Many questions. Many questions about that. That's a good question. That's a good point. I don't know. The answer. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, the what one thing that I thought was just worse now, and it these types of things happen a lot in in the genre of movies you're talking about. The problem, the conflict with Vivian, where she briefly thinks that Reese is sleeping with Callahan. Yeah. It's like if you had watched for two more seconds. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you yeah. would have known that that wasn't the case. And also, why would you assume that's the case? And the whole time, she's like, Callahan's a pig. Ha, ha, ha. And yeah. then she goes and she sees him being a pig and she assumes it's Elle's fault. Yeah, so I was like, it just doesn't align with her character. Yeah, up to I that agree. Point. It does not align. I mean, I have one. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, the, the, the Just the beginning of the plot where her whole motivation to go to Harvard was to to get this guy to marry her. That that bothered me. I mean, I, I would like, especially as a mom watching it with her kids or yeah. her daughters, like, couldn't she go, couldn't she be motivated for some other reason than But than it's that? like the crux yeah. of the film. Unfortunately, I, I it's the point of the movie. I know it is, but. Yeah. In the end, though. Yeah, in the end, it turns out fine. Yeah. But, you know, the, the motivation could have been. Maybe just a little bit different, but but yeah, I know that's that's yeah. what the movie's well, about. It could have even been like uh, I'm gonna. He thinks I'm stupid. I'm gonna prove that I'm smart by doing better than him at law school instead of I'm gonna go there and try to get him to like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. That would have been like a slightly but altered it, version, yeah. which would have been a little more. I would have. But liked if it she better. does, yeah. if they do that, she has further. She has less far to go as a character. They're setting her closer to that that end. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they really wanted to go that full. Yeah, it's that full arc. Like if it had been altered, it would have been the the growth would have been about her learning to not be vengeful, yeah. <laughs> versus her learning that she can be Inval- herself on her own yeah. and be valid. There was one other thing I was thinking of b- b- relative to that, mm-hmm. and it was that like during the whole movie, except a little blurb right at the beginning, I'm thinking, where are her parents? <laughs> You know, because I'm a parent, so like, yeah, why why is she all through yeah. this college and the parents aren't there? But there is a little blurb at the beginning where she's in the swimming pool, yeah. and the parents are like, 
why would you want to go to Harvard? You're you're, you're beautiful. You know, yeah, you're beautiful and you're um they go, you're pageant queen yeah, or something yeah, like that. You got first runner up at Miss Hawaiian Tropics. Right. Why are you throwing that away? Right. Yeah. So I was right. like, well, that if there's any excuse for yeah. her, that would be it. That that, <laughs> yeah. that her parents are like they they believe her to be shallow. That's right. so funny. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's another good point too, because it does sort of drive home, at least for me, a little bit more why it feels like she's so much older than she is. Because like if it was us and we were straight out of college, like you like you and dad would have been like a significant like part in us making a decision to go to grad school or something like that. And that's why it feels like she's like. A 30-year-old because it's less about, yeah. yeah. But I think, too, like, obviously, they're very, very rich. She's done Mm -hmm. whatever she's wanted for her life. She does what she wants. I think it could be that situation of, like, I'm going to law school. I know you'll pay, you know? Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, she doesn't have to make make it a huge decision because she just does what she wants in life. Yeah, Um, So it's like a simple whim. (laughs) Like, for her in the beginning, she's like, yeah, I'm going to go to law school. Yeah, and everyone treats it that way. They're like, oh, like, Barbie's going to get, like, wake up and be an astronaut today. It's like that sort of thing. Yeah. Although I did like her utter confidence in herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. Yes, I agree. That's one of the fun things about this movie, Mm -hmm. for sure. Do you have any other bad things? Um... Do you have any other bad things? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. We, we could just move on to dated or... Okay. As for the how well has it aged and all that, we already brought up the Enrique mm-hmm. situation, which is one thing. But um, it's just funny how this movie makes a white skinny blonde girl the underdog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's kind of like, have you ever seen that um, there's like a... A video. Do you know who Madison Beer is? Yeah. There's that <laughs> video. She's like a she's like a kind of relevant pop girl, she, but she looks like Megan Fox, basically. Think Megan Fox. Do you know who Megan Fox is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so people are constantly commenting on her looks, how beautiful she is, blah, blah, blah. And there's this video of her where she's like basically like, it gets really exhausting. <laughs> and she's completely serious. She's like, I'm plagued by being called beautiful. Literally. <laughs> And it kind of, it's kind of similar energy. Yeah. Like the lowest of the low moment where Reese is like, I should just give up because everybody sees me as beautiful and I should have just been a Victoria's Secret model. It's like, first of all, you're four feet tall. You're not going to be a Victoria's Secret model. Yeah. But, you know, the idea, it's kind of a similar thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, I don't, I think I felt worse. I felt worse for her as a kid than I do now. Yeah, well, I think that just, like, we've come so far culturally from the biggest butt of the joke being, like, a hot blonde woman. Like, we just are aware of real problems now. But, like, Elle as a symbol, we could get into that forever. Um, I know a lot of people feel very, like, represented by her ideologically. Yeah. Um, But... There's lots of reasons that you can look up to her, but just as far as, like, within the story... Yes. Like, why do we feel bad for her? Yeah. She just, it's, it's kind of like we can feel bad for her, but not that bad, I guess. And I don't think we feel that bad, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a comedy at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It's it's pretty light. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they also, um, Paulette, like, randomly uses the R word. I know. I had written that down, too. That's, like, yeah. the only, like, blatantly 
thing that's just thing. like, well, that's aged out. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, You know how in the courtroom scene, um, when they're trying to prove that Enrique is gay, they can, Reese or Elle goes, um, gay men know designers, straight men don't. I, I was know. like, we, that's we not wrote true. down the same thing. We wrote down the same thing. <laughs> like, there's lots of like playing on tropes in this movie, but that's kind of the whole point. Like, the whole movie is about stereotypes. Yeah. So it's kind of like, where do you draw the line with that? It's hard to know. Yeah, that was a quick one. Um, and yeah, my last note was: Is legally blonde a play on blind? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I have no idea. I also wrote that there. I had two kind of things. The first one was like. The I mean, it's not really problematic, but I think it's a really good example of like, you know how in the, her first classroom scene, it's the the woman professor. It's uh, what's her name? Stromwell. Yeah. Yes. Recall. <laughs> Holland Taylor. Yeah. yeah. Um, she calls on Elle and Elle d- d- hasn't done her reading. And then she calls on Viv. I keep calling her Viv. Yeah, Vivian. Viv- <laughs> She's not called Viv in the movie. Uh, calls on Vivian <laughs> and Vivian does it right. And it kind of reminded me of, like, in-group cringe as a concept. Like, you know, it's like if you are in a male-dominated field and there's, like, two other women there and one of the women messes up or looks stupid, like, you feel secondhand responsible for their mistake because it, like, their mistake reflects on you as a person. Yeah, for any, like, marginalized group in an environment, it's, like— you feel like you have to take responsibility for because you're like the model for yeah, for everyone person. else who's a minority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought of that, and then at the end, I just felt like, um, so you know how at the very end Emmett ends up like agreeing to be the lawyer that will supervise L being the lawyer for Brooke, and basically the only reason why that works is because L. Like, basically threatens to expose Callahan for being a creep. In front of everyone. In front of everyone. But here's my thing is, who would believe her? Why would it matter? Like, men are not held accountable like that. It doesn't matter if everyone believes. It only matters if he thinks that that he would get canceled. Well, right. But what I'm saying is, like, he wouldn't have gotten canceled. Like, I feel like that is, like, that's, like... Uh, um, suspending disbelief for me that like yeah. her being like he was creepy towards me would like actually result in any sort of like actionable yeah. like damage for him. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. I don't think but that. Regardless, would he was fired. Yes, but you're not. I feel like you're not hearing me. No, I am. It's like the threat doesn't work because even he wouldn't believe that he would be canceled in the environment. Like he's yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Like the fact that you're saying that, it's like it doesn't matter because. In, and it probably wouldn't in, have in real yes, life, yes. But, but but for the sake of moving the plot forward. In, right, in exactly, this, then, exactly. Yeah. Like, you choose yeah. to go along with it because it needs to. But in my mind, I was like, I wish that men in 2000 were held accountable like that. Like, they barely are now. I have to say, though, that was one thing that I was glad. You guys wish that didn't happen in the movie because you well, like the actor. Yeah. But, but to me, I'm glad that that was in there because – especially during that time, but really any time. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of harassment that women yeah. go and, through, went through, continue to go yeah, through, yeah. but even more than went through. So I was glad, yeah. even if it was just that little I'm bit, lo- I was yeah. glad it was in I'm there. I'm glad it's there too. And it's the type of thing that subtly happens to women everywhere. And they're yeah. like, it doesn't really favor me to talk about this. Like it doesn't give me it's like an more advantage trouble than it's worth yeah. yeah and so that's why they know they can get away with it because right. it's like minor yeah 
Mm-hmm. There was no like assault committed, yeah. so it's not like worth the trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's I didn't wish it didn't happen. I was just like it made me yearn for that level of actual accountability when I saw yes. it. It's like yes. unrealistic. Yeah. Um so now that we've gone through the good, the bad, and the ugly of Legally Blonde, it is now time for Jennifer, aka mom, to take the stand, if you will. We will continue our discussion of Legally Blonde and ask our mom all the questions we have been dying to ask her uh, since we started Sleepover Cinema and started reflecting on all the media we've consumed. So join us next week for that installment. And we're really excited for you to hear it. See ya. See ya. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.